0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What
1: a beautiful throw by the Baker. Big job! Hasta baby! touchdown!
2: Welcome in, everybody, to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are talking today with good friend of the podcast, former OBR colleague, now doing his own thing and kicking butt over at Browns Wire, Jared Mueller. We are going to discuss OTAs in depth, which not much you can really talk about on the field, so we are going to spend our time talking about discussions, interview questions, things of that nature off the field. Uh, I think that Nick Chubb, Denzel Ward, especially J.C. Treder and Kevin Stefanski all gave pretty interesting sound bites today that are worth picking through and seeing exactly what was talked about because I'm not sure all of you get to see those in, in full detail or the transcript and I think that's where we can learn the most about stuff that happened today because on the field again they put the the, the media in these little corners and, and expect them to get anything of of detail on the field it's just not going to happen so Let's get over to our interview with Jared Mueller where we will, you know, like I said, pick apart the comments made by important key members of the Browns today. We're here chatting with a now verified, I don't even know if I can be in the same conversation with this guy, Jared Mueller. How are you, Jared? How does it feel to have a checkmate? Does it feel like you walk around? Is it over your head?
1: Does it like float with you all day? How does it work? It- it's weird. It's kind of like one of those, um, Mario clouds that just kind of <laughs> yeah. carries you everywhere. Like it, it just works like that. And, uh, you know, honestly I was like, do I have to do this right? Like, do I have to actually like know what I'm doing now? Cause it says that you're notable and authentic. I'm like, um, wait, what now? I, I, I think I'm authentic, but I don't know about that notable thing. So do I need to start <laughs> being notable? Do I have to say crazy things or what does that mean? you probably need to say crazy things you can earn it but you got to keep it
2: it's a big thing got to keep it because cra- they're cracking down on this so you know can you keep, keep your eyes in the mirror man they're going to be right behind you um
1: yeah that's what i figured <laughs> let's
2: let's talk otas uh, it's not otas it's camp. we're going to talk about minicamp day one where everybody was actually there now the, the part that's frustrating is uh, on the field stuff we just can't see enough they they, they have this I don't know what it was two years ago because we're, we less discernible information, but they've got the the reporters huddled up in this tiny little area, and I'm sure it's due to COVID or whatever. Because typically, Jared knows this. You can walk along the sidelines and get advantage point from any of the three fields that are up there, but uh, right now I'm, I, it looks like they're all confined to one little small space, and you have to get out your like <laughs> uh, big time. You imagine like the pirate ship. uh, <laughs> extending binocular deal there, um, you know that that goes on and on just to be able to see it. I felt bad for Fred uh, trying to take video today because it's so far away. But yeah, it's it's far away. But the thing that I think you can take away is you finally get a chance to talk to some important people, right? That's that's yep. the, the that's the thing that we can hear. And two people, <laughs> it's tough with the player. There are certain players who are going to give you great quotes, and there's certain players who are just gonna be there for business. Two of the people that I think are just there for business, <laughs> Nick Chubb and, and Denzel Ward. And I, I think Denzel's a little bit of a talker, but he's more introverted than people understand. He doesn't want to give really long answers. And and much of what you talk to these two players about is on the field stuff. Like my favorite Nick Chubb question, oh, what's his focus this off-season training? This is the quote, bigger, faster, stronger. <laughs> which if you remember, like the big training program, high school programs used to go to, which was called bigger, faster, Stronger." it's just – it's just so, so funny Um, on why he didn't go to Austin for independent workouts. It was just my decision personally. I like being at home. <laughs> it's like the most <laughs> monotone dude ever. But the thing that came out for both guys uh, was contract extension uh, conversations have happened. I think, I still stand by this, Jared, and I want your opinion on it. We know, we've talked ad nauseum, this podcast, your podcast, wherever we've visited, whatever, about who's going to get a deal, where they're it it feels to me like because Nick Chubb is the one the first one the Browns have had which is crazy to think about this the first really good non first round player that they've had to entertain signing you don't get that fifth year so their window is shrinking for him if they want to kind of credit him off a year take away a year maybe pay him a little bit more up front to maybe get a couple years off of the end when a running back's legs typically typically start to fade so with Chubb I thought it was interesting he said when asked the question uh yeah I think let me see here well let my agent and, and the Browns handle that I'm just here to play football uh but you know for my team continue to get better and try to become a better teammate and a better team this is all I'm focusing on allow that to take care of itself on if he has had his agent talk to them yet I think they have talked which is just classic Nick Chubb I think <laughs> they have yeah, talked maybe. But I told my agent to just handle it and and until he needs me. So you handle it until you have an actual thing to tell me about, which is classic Nick Child. He's not going to let it bother him. There are certain players as we've seen across the league who will let these conversations get in the way of them showing up or working. He's not one of them. To me, he's the guy they extend first. Am I wrong in that thought,
1: Jared? You know, I think he is such that he's such a tough conversation because you know, he would be he would be the exception at some level. He would be the running back that you expect to actually be worth the contract. It's hard for me to think that the Browns organization is going to do that and when they have the opportunity to at least franchise tag him a year or two. I get why they would from – You know a lot of different aspects, but it just feels really, really difficult when you look at all the other names that are coming up when it comes to, um, you know, Baker obviously, Denzel, which we'll talk about here in a second, Wyatt Teller, uh, but even like Ronnie Harrison. Yes, they you know signed John Johnson, Grant Delpit, but if they want to run three. You know, safeties. Do they pay him? I think you have to go back to the the Shanahan system, which is the wide zone. You know, players like Orlandis Gary ran for a thousand yards, right? Um, Terrell Davis is a Hall of Famer because of this system, and you know John Elway and all this stuff. I think it's just really, for me, it's hard to see them doing it um, unless Chubb doesn't have the pressure from the players association and all that to get that real massive deal. Is he looking at that Zeke Christian McCaffrey, uh, Alvin Kamara type deal, or is it a more realistic deal? And I think that's really what's going to be important here because the Browns, you know, they can't shoehorn themselves and they can't assume that the, uh, salary cap is going to skyrocket enough that they can pay everybody. And so I don't think, you know, for me, I'm not sure they get a Chubb extension done given all of that, given some of his injury history, all of that kind of stuff. I would love them to because I see what he is, right? I see there is a significant difference between him and Kareem Hunt, and Kareem Hunt is a very good running back, right? But there is a big gap there. It's just hard for me to bet on him being the exception to the rule, which is you don't pay running backs. Most of them have flamed out before they've been worth uh, their contract. So that's just hard for me to see the Browns doing. I, they would be the first team to do it, though, Jared. Everybody has extended
2: these running backs, man. Yep. Every single team has done it. Now, the contract levels vary. Aaron Jones doesn't get Derrick Henry money, so on and so forth. But I think everybody talks about, you know, Nick Chubb being a guy who, if they offer him a certain amount, he'll
1: just take it. Well, do we know that? I don't know. Maybe he will. Maybe <laughs> He just he... says nothing, right? Like, yeah, that's the only yeah. reason people think that is, is he doesn't seem flashy. He doesn't seem... Uh, you know like he drives these huge cars or you know he doesn't he just doesn't present all of that stuff that just doesn't that doesn't mean he doesn't value money it actually could mean he really values money so he keeps his mouth shut he doesn't show off he doesn't you know whatever we just don't know we just assume because he's quiet <laughs> it is it is an assumption because he's quiet but like,
2: but I, it probably comes down to his agent what his agent says he's worth and his agent presents him with a deal and says hey man this isn't good enough but but The element we keep forgetting here, too, is with some of this, the Browns are in really good shape. They're in a really good position where players want to stick around or be a part of this. So there's some of that that can go on, too. I don't know. I, I think it's not a guarantee. I think they're going to try to get to Nick. I think they want to at least reach out and figure out the baseline of what he thinks he's worth or what his agent thinks he's worth and where they're trying to come in at. They could certainly do the transition tag at the end of the year and match any offer that's out there for him if he gets one i know jack duffins talked about that a lot and to his credit it's a good point so we'll see i i am of the belief that you would try to buy out this year and another two years and then kind of say okay we're essentially giving you three more years in cleveland here's the money and when he hits if he's 25 right now he's 28 at that point i think that's kind of like the threshold you'll see where he's at at that point He's, uh yeah and, yeah really I valuable. Think it all
1: goes to it all goes together right I think we look at him as each player but I think as the Browns are having conversations with whether it's Ward's agent Mayfield's agent when they look at you know those guys and again whether it's Wyatt Teller or whoever I think they look at him not as a package, but they have to understand, you know, their priorities in order and what that looks like. You're exactly right. They can do Chubb, you know, they can, they can move some money earlier so that they can pay, you know, Baker a little later, you know, wherever the money gets shifted around. They can do a lot of that, but they have to have an idea of where the other guys are going to come in and how the other guys want to. Or have an idea of what it's gonna look like, you know, and, and I think all of that matters because if Baker has another great year and they don't extend him this year, you're talking about Dak Prescott between Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes, right? So if you're starting to do that, well, that extra five, six, ten million dollars, well, that's all of Nick Chubb's money. So I think it all plays together and and they just have to be aware of that. Sure they are. Well, you're talking about Denzel as one of those guys he was asked about <laughs>
2: This contract extension before the season starts to avoid any potential distractions. Denzel says, it's not a distraction to me. I'm going to let my agent take care of it. I'm focused on playing ball. I'm here for the Cleveland Browns. I'm here, or sorry, I'm just glad to be back in the building here in minicamp with all these guys ready to play. I'm focused on playing football. I'm really not worried about anything else. How much he loves Cleveland. He was asked about that. And if a perfect world, he would like to finish his career there. We call that putting a ball on a tee for a question. <laughs> perfect world. I would definitely want to be a Cleveland Brown for my entire career. I am from Cleveland. The team drafted me, the team that believed in me coming out of college, I take a lot of pride and respect into that. Just want to give my team, or give my all to this team. It's definitely a place I want to be. I enjoy being a Cleveland Brown and giving them everything I got. Uh, Yeah, you would expect him, and it's true. It's definitely true. He is a Cleveland guy. They took him fourth overall, higher than many other cornerbacks have gone in recent drafts. Some talented cornerbacks, they believe in him. I'm of the belief that they're going to get it done for him. I don't. I, I know the injury stuff, people like to bring it up. The concussion stuff has been less an issue the last few years. Some soft tissue things have popped up, but I think as he continues to grow into his body, he's still young, still 24, continues to grow into his body, some of that stuff can fade away. He has not had any major injuries. That's the big thing for me, no major injuries that would cause you to have any great concern. So I think he's a stone-cold lock. If he's willing to take the right deal, they're going to offer it to him. What do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Ward is not the uh, thickest guy in the world as a cornerback. I think we have to make sure to remember he has been, you know, jerked around into some systems, right? Greg Williams, Steve Wilks, now Joe Woods, where, you know, they didn't really have talent around him and Miles Garrett. So I do think those little injuries here and there, the concussions obviously, you know, create some concern. The only thing that would lead me to think it might not happen is, is Denzel and his family, you know, just interested in, in doing something different. Grew up in Cleveland, went to Ohio State, playing for Cleveland. You know, is it just something where at some point he may be interested in just doing? you know, being someplace else, whether that's a big city or just a different market or whatever it is. And I think what's interesting is with greedy Greg Newsom, Troy Hill on his, you know, weird contract, you know, the Browns do have some other options there at corner. If they all play, if it, everything plays out perfectly great, obviously Williams has struggled, but I think Ward, uh, outside of Mayfield is really, you know, those big four, uh, would obviously be number two, given the value of the position, given how well he has played in, In a lot of, you know, transitions, the only question I would have is he is not the prototypical cover three guy, right? He's not that big, long, lanky, uh, you know, type of player. So not that he can't play it, but he's not prototypical for a Joe Woods cover three system. Uh, And so obviously he's going to be more creative and all of that. But is that a player? you know, that they're going to invest in long term, depending on where his market goes. So, uh, But I do think he's number two. I think he's, like you said, he's as close to a lock uh, outside of Baker Mayfield as you would get.
2: Yeah, makes sense. He was asked uh, also about the importance of OTAs, and this takes us to the conversation that happened with J.C. Treader because that's a guy who gives great interviews. But Ward said his reasoning for being at OTAs, definitely from a leadership aspect, I felt like guys... Being a, just being able to see the older guys, younger guys being able to see older guys, which Denzel, kind of an older guy now, right? He's year four <laughs> here, going right. out to practice, competing, still trying to get better. I think it's big, but I still wanted to come in and work my craft, work on my game, get with the guys, continue to learn the playbook, continue to run the plays. I feel like I got a head start in this mini camp once we get back going to camp. He also knows that they took a first-round corner, and that's... You know they're not replacing Denzel because they can put pl- they play two at a time. It's not in any way that that's not what they're doing. But it's just kind of like okay, they see another corner. Maybe that's the guy they want to invest in long term. Not me. I need to show up. And I think that's a little bit of it, whether he wants to admit it or not. It, it's it's a part of it, and that's okay. That's the right thing for some people, and that's what J C. Treaders conversation was all about. I will say the questions I thought were geared toward pushing J C. to say. Um, that there's two things that they were really talked about with JC. The first was vaccinization uh, vaccination of players. and it's it's tough, man. They, they want JC to tell you outwardly. he they want him to outwardly say I want guys to get vaccinated, which he won't do. He will not do it. And you know he's saying we've been trying to best to educate our players and everybody uh, as much as possible make sure everybody knows what they feel what they're getting into, what they feel comfortable with. And to make a decision on their own, so their independent decision. He tells you he's gotten vaccinated, did plenty of research, followed the science, um, but he doesn't like the term incentivize players to get vaccinated because that's that's a way of kind of avoiding what science is saying, according to him. And again, everybody listening to this pod, you could have your own feeling on this. I'm not here to argue that, uh, but but the way that they were pushing is they know clearly J C is a vaccination guy. They wanted him to tell you that players are wrong for not getting vaccinated, and he wouldn't do it. And I thought that was interesting, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we've talked, uh, you know, offline and probably on a pod just about, you know, his his relationship and his roles are, are significantly, you know, he's management and not management at some level, right? And so, you know, it's an interesting place for him to be at. But you're right, as you look at kind of the, the headings of each of these uh, questions, it does seem like they were... You know leading questions in a lot of ways but jc charter is really intelligent right like he is smart and you look at some of the answers and they're you know a page long as he's talking about later the boycotts and all that stuff but in the vaccination you know i think it's important that that the conversation happens but how the conversation happens is so important whether you like it don't like it science whatever um, you know how the conversation happens really really matters are you bringing in experts Um, are you understanding, forget what you believe personally, are you understanding the benefits to you and your team, you know, all of that kind of stuff, you know, one way or the other, it's, it's important to have the information. And I think it's one thing I never have to worry about with JC Tretter. That guy does the reading, does the research, has the conversation and he does all of those kind of things. And so, um, but he's also not a guy who wants to power play, uh, his players, his goal is the players, and I'll use the word versus, but his conversation is always the player's power versus ownership in the league. He's really not going to try to power play his own and his players, and you can see that with his
0: answers. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Yeah, and you talked about the boycotting stuff. He was asked about how effective the, air quotes, boycott of OTAs was across the league, which his answer was so great. He said, <laughs> again, I'll say the language is important. We never use the word boycott. That's kind of uh, That was kind of used by other people. I do not think you can boycott a voluntary program. When it comes to how successful it is, I think any time as a union you educate your membership on what their rights are under the CBA, whether that is a win or whatever, I think that is positive. Whether you have two-thirds of teams negotiate with your players for a better language – better rules, better working conditions, and what that is in the CBA, I think that is an extremely positive thing. I think that is a win. Our goal and our hope is that we make the offseason better for players. We know that the vast majority of players realize and understand that the offseason is kind of an archaic model and is not in the best interest of the health of the safety of the players. I think You can see that when the teams agreed to go with walkthroughs only, sandals for walkthroughs, no helmets, no competitive periods, less time in the field, no meetings, less meetings, or canceled minicamps, those are all positive things for players. I would say that's a win. So what he's talking about was essentially saying that for the first time, they successfully granted players an actual chance to choose, which I agree with. Players did not feel pressured to go. They actually felt like they had a choice to go or not, which I think was important, and the communication that started to really come up between coaches and players, which was clear, right, uh, Jared, which is the Browns had a plan with Kevin Safansky, and it was never going to be reported from the team that they've struck a deal You know, it's just funny. It's not going to be a thing, but they had a clear plan here. And some teams have have, had broken protocol for offseason programs. He talked about that. You can't, you know, that they've gone too far. They're still trying to work with that stuff. But some teams even canceled mandatory minicamp because they feel like they got enough done in OTAs. So that's what they're trying to do is give teams the ability to do whatever they want to do, but ultimately keep in mind the players and give the players some sort of leverage to do what's best for them. Because he talked about, too, he goes to San Diego in the offseason, doesn't do much stuff, and he's like, if I was in Cleveland going through full-on practices and reps, it wouldn't be good for my joints, which could lead to a long-term injury, which then is not good for the team. He'd he'd rather kind of play it safe, do the workouts he's comfortable with, and have a choice. And I think that that's, that's never wrong to have a choice. And I think they were trying to push him in a direction that said, you know, we're fighting this, we're fighting this, we're fighting this. Well, no, you're you're coming together. And I think there was a coming together,
1: at least in my opinion. Yeah, I think coming together is a good way to say it. I think you're also just looking at, you know, for the first time, you know the NFL is looking at the NBA where it's all about a player empowerment and the NFL's like wait we're the most popular league we we make the most money yes there are more players on our team but in general while we may not be able to get those guaranteed deals we might be able to not be able to get all of that money and all that kind of stuff we can do something here and i think the other part of it to recognize is it's really more of the transition that we're seeing in the world and as obviously as a counselor i value this is starting to value The mental side of everything, right? Mental reps are very, very valuable. Rest is very, very valuable. When you talk about recovery, there's active recovery and there's passive recovery, right? And so both of those are really going to be important. But old school is hit them and hit them and hit them and hit them until we find out who's left. But that's really a mentality that sets you up for failure, especially as other teams are learning. Um, if we rest our players, if we have a Kareem Hunt and a Nick Chubb, and none of them get 300 carries, so none of them are going to you know, win the rushing title, but they're going to be fresh, Like we're starting to understand not just what's best for the players, short-term, long-term, all that stuff, but that the mental reps are really important. The Browns didn't get to practice a ton last year, but the, as the season went on, they look sharp. Right. And so it doesn't always have to be physical for there to be development. So I think that's both sides of it that are really important to me is, yes, players having some power. Right. He talked about that, you know, being able to negotiate better than what's in the CBA. So something was agreed upon by the players and the teams and the owners, whatever. And the players this offseason were able to negotiate something better than that. They're starting to take power. But we're also starting to see that teams, you know, Harbaugh canceled minicamp. The Texans c- canceled minicamp. We're starting to see teams understand that you can do so many things remotely, so many things through mental reps, and save the physical for when you have to do it. I value both of those things a lot. I know a lot of fans, a lot of people listening, uh, oh, these soft and weak and whatever players. Listen, in the end, the goal is that the Browns are healthy at the Super Bowl, right? Like that's the goal, and that they make the Super Bowl. So as long as they do that, I don't care if they literally are wrapped up in bubble tape the entire time. As long as they do that, who cares that they didn't hit each other in the middle of a hundred degree weather? Well, it's nice today, but you know <laughs> th- who cares about that? Like that's just your, you know, that's that's meathead thinking, right? Like that is everybody's got to be tough, and you, they got to listen, this isn't Franco Harris and, you know, you look at Brian Baldinger, the dude can't point straight with all of his fingers because of football, right? We don't have to have that to see really good football on the field and to see, at least in this case, the Cleveland Browns hopefully competing for an AFC championship.
2: Yeah, just a shifter to smarter thought process I think is important. And a couple things Treder said, uh, you know, we made it clear to everybody when we get back here in person for mandatory stuff, you have to be ready to go. If you feel like you're going to go out there and be more ready by staying where you are, training uh, where you are on your own time, then do that because that's better for the team. If you feel like you need to be in the building doing things here, that is what's going to get you ready to go when the mandatory stuff hits, then do that. There was no, I do not think, you know, there was no pressure to do either. It was just what you think is in your best interest, that was what you should do. Mm -hmm. We know the type of guy Kevin is in this organization, so we knew he's not going to kill us. He was going to have a pretty good program ready to put in place. Once we saw it, it was just each person's decision under the CBA to volunteer to go or not. And then the last question, which I think was a good one on if any player had any issue with any other player deciding to go kind of after the players released a statement about exercising their right not to attend. You know, he said, no, a bunch of guys reached out to talk to me. I talked to them. This is their decision. If you want to go, we're completely fine with it. We had guys make their call on their own for the guys that came in and for the guys who stayed away. There should be no hard feelings for guys who stayed away and vice versa the guys who came in should not be upset the guys stayed away this is each person making a decision on their own because they just want to be ready when the mandatory stuff hits to make the team better so i, I just really liked it It was a really good conversation so um we don't really have much to talk about on the field we could kind of get a glimpse of the defensive line who's uh who's in the first group there which was billings jackson uh genevian and miles garrett which is kind of what we thought otherwise any other takeaways from the
1: practice that you wanted to, to chat about well, I think what's interesting, uh, there's a few things. Um, the first is, and I, you and I talked a little bit offline about this, and it actually goes to what Charter said, is, you know, are you ready when mandatory, mandatory camp hits? Now, we can, we're can. we not trying to body shame. We're going to make jokes. I am. I have a joke right now. Like, are we talking about three Billings, you know, three Bills, Andrew Billings, who looked a little bit more weighty than we're, we thought we were going to see, especially compared to that really lean, strong – Uh, rest of the defensive line. Like Malik Jackson looked a little bit more Calais Campbell-ish than he did, you know, defensive tackle-like. But I think, you know, Andrew Billings is someone that's going to be a conversation just because we saw – a body type that didn't look to be in great shape, but the Browns are going to need some beef in the middle, right? A true zero one nose tackle who can eat up a couple blocks. And so as long as Andrew Billings is athletic enough to do that and to, to shed a block or uh, to force, you know, a double team or whatever, that's okay. But I think that's the one player, at least we saw close up enough to go, Hmm, what's going on there. The other thing is everybody participated, right? Like Mm -hmm. it is shocking. Like, I don't care what we love. It is shocking that Odell Beckham Jr. participated in anything six and a half months after an ACL surgery. I don't. I, it's shocking. Like it is ridiculous. Remember when Adrian Peterson came back and played after 12 months, and we acted like it was some kind of act of God that he was able to play after 12 months? Odell Beckham Jr. was cleared to participate in individual drills, you know, after six and a half months. Um, everybody else, Grant Delpit, Jadavion Clowney, it looked like pretty much everybody else was participating, and everybody was there, so no drama like the Seahawks and and some of the other teams that have people holding out. So there's you know just having everybody there and everybody everybody participating that can, um, you know those to me are, are really huge signs uh, that the Browns are, are going to be ready to go and going to be healthy. And you know I was a little worried about Odell being ready for Week One. At this point, I should unless anything happens, obviously I should probably shut up. no no that's good I mean
2: Stefanski noted it after I liked his quote on on where Baker was is now uh, now that they're back together his understanding of the offense for the first time I'm in person with him but we've had a ton of zoom calls together throughout the course of the offseason program going all the way back to April we've installed the offense we've watched tape together we've added new plays we've talked about old plays we have a pretty good feel for where Baker is where a bunch of guys are that are returning. We have room to grow. We have work to do. Today was a step in that direction. That was really good. I'm going to write on this tomorrow uh, about the cadences because there were a ton of (sighs) cadences that they finally put in around the end of the year, I thought. They got more comfortable with each other. Uh, That stuff's really fun, too. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you can go find these quotes online. It's, It's one of the more insightful things we can get because we get to talk to people we haven't been able to talk to. Can't see much on the field. It's a tough time, but we can get a feel for little tiny bits of Uh, of information here so i wanted to chat about those with with uh, a guy who i think is very plugged in very smart about this stuff so jared i really appreciate your time my friend
1: not a problem brother it is good to talk to you it's good to have good people that you can hang out with and chat cleveland browns man there's a there's a part of me that starts to get energetic i wore my browns polo today because it's the start of minicamp but man seeing all those players and just you know i just wrote about troy hill and uh just think remembering that Jadavian Clowney and tack mckinley and malik jackson like Man, it's exciting time, even though we don't get to see a lot, you know, to watch Baker Mayfield talk to some receivers and whatever. Like, it's just really exciting to have a, a quality, good team that we're not just hype excited about, but they were actually good last year, right? They had a good record. They won the playoff game, like, and they've got a bunch of more talent. Like, I've never experienced this in my adult life. It's amazing.
2: It is really exciting, and it's a group that – we shouldn't feel apprehensive about being able to understand the expectations because they've, they've seen 2019 they've seen what it takes to be good in 2020 and they should be buttoned up on that topic and they should be working. And it sounds like they are, and there's nothing but positive things to talk about so far. So again, Jared, you're the man. Thanks buddy. Appreciate it, buddy. All righty. We will see what comes of day two of OTAs Uh, might just be more players talking and discussion points from those players. As we hear them trickle in, could be Baker Mayfield, could be Odell. Uh, We'll pick apart with a fine-tooth comb everything those guys are saying and try to relate them to you. Uh, As I think right now, we're just trying to find anything new as it's a a pretty boring time of year. So last few days of minicamp will give us some things to talk about. Then I need you to flood me with content ideas. I always appreciate these. If you have something you want talked about, discussed, whatever, I would really appreciate it if you hit me up on Twitter, OBR, wherever. And let me know. I am always open to, uh, to new ideas, new concepts. We've already thrown in a few, such as uh, drafting Browns players to play any position other than the one they play, uh, top five under 25. All of those have come from uh, submitted ideas from listeners. So spread the word about this podcast. Make sure you are subscribed to it so it'll automatically download for you. And a review would be greatly appreciated. Hope you're having a great week. If you find this podcast on Wednesday, I hope the middle of your week goes well And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And until we talk next time, and as usual, go Browns.